1: Home stretch here on WBT with Bo and Beth. And uh, you know what we do on Fridays. We bring in Hall of Famer, Charlotte's most beloved John Hancock to the studio that he spent so many years in and uh, various uh, day parts. Uh, It's good to see you as always. Of course,
2: the big news of the day is uh, that the Girl Scouts Raspberry Rally uh, outsold uh, itself online and they're going for $20 a box uh, now online. We've been in a big story. I'm sure you guys have been on the road all morning long breaking news all morning continuing coverage mode as we say yeah you had tom Sorensen talking about
1: Uh
3: it Mm -hmm, Uh mm -hmm.
4: eugene
2: robinson
1: what a day yesterday
4: right i tell
1: you what um and and look right out of the gate here uh you reminded me of something as we were talking about uh during the news you uh by best we can uh figure here uh, were the only person Whoever had a show on this station that had Jerry Richardson as an in studio guest. Because I was talking to Tom Sorensen about how unusual it was for Jerry Richardson to hold a news conference. I mean, I think you, you can count on one hand the number of ones he did during his entire tenure, but to actually have Jerry, not even
2: by phone, but this was in studio one day. Well, Marty Herney made that possible. And uh, at the time, I think Marty was contractually obligated to come in once a week. And then it just also coincided with the fact that the players went on strike at that one particular time. So Marty and I used to sit in here week after week after week, and there was no football going on. And so we actually got to be pretty good friends through that because we had nothing to talk about. And, uh <laughs> Uh, one week he managed to get uh, Jerry Richardson to come in so he came he, we, we pulled him around to the back and We put him on the elevator. We sneak him on through we get him in here getting get him in the studio and uh, It was a nice conversation and uh, uh, And I had told Marty I said I'm gonna ask him a question uh, and you're not gonna like it and I apologize I mean nothing personal, but that's what you do. That's uh, I, I said, I, I've got a, to some extent, uh, Marty. I said, I have to ask him a question uh, to, so he knows I'm not intimidated by him. Uh, I, I think in kind of a roundabout way, I was looking for his respect. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I said, Mr. Richardson, you just fired one of your sons. You just hired half of your executive staff. Why does this guy still have a job as Marty herney and Marty has, had been under fire at the time, and we had not been in the playoffs for two consecutive years for or playoffs. So and, so and I don't remember him answering the question, per se. He kind of beat around the bush and so on and so forth. Well, that was the first segment. And uh, then we went into a break, and uh, he said he needed a restroom. So we walked him down the hall, and as we walked down the hall, he looked at uh, – Marty Herney and he said uh, I think this young man's trying to get your job <laughs> and I turned around and I said no no sir I have no desire to work for you guys <laughs> 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 um, and I meant that was I was happy with WVT I didn't really mean that as a shot against the Panthers
3: but I bet he took it as a shot against the Panthers right?
2: Yeah. then that, the second half um, this was when he and uh, the Players Association were meeting and he was very instrumental in, in, in all of that and this was—people may recall—there was an exchange between he and Peyton Manning in private, in some kind of a, a private meeting. Yeah. And uh, that had just happened, and I asked him about it. As I said, "All over the news is this is this conversation that you and Peyton Manning apparently had, in which some." Both of you were fairly direct with one another, and I'm just curious what happened in that meeting. And he said to me, there's only two people that know what happened in that meeting, and that would be me and Peyton Manning. And I've been kicking myself in the butt now for 20 years for not saying, yes, sir, I know. That's why I'm asking you what happened in that meeting. I didn't ask that question it's one of those things where you get done with an interview and you and you you know slap yourself in the head and say why didn't you um so i i didn't ask the obvious question but anyway I, other than that it was an interesting experience to have him uh, in the uh, in the studio
3: we when we talked to Tom Sorensen a little bit earlier he talked about the complexities of of Jerry Richardson that he could be this incredibly funny guy with uh, this lovely sense of humor and this boisterous personality, and at the same time very um, angry and, and, and resentful. When you had him in here, did you get the funny sides of him, or did you get more business? What what the, was the, his personality? The line to
2: hurty about, I think this young man's going after your jobbers, was, uh, was trying to get your jobbers. That was like his that. humor? That would be his humor. Um, no, other than that, he was uh, uh, fairly guarded. Um... I was not his kind of person. What do you mean? I Because I'm an old hippie, and uh, that's just not, uh, that's just not, I was not his kind of, he was not my kind of person.
3: Did you feel that tension in the room as the, the conversation was happening? Did you have that kind of like, well, he's not my kind of guy and I'm not his? Or did you kind of put no, both of I those was, things aside?
2: I was excited to have him on, and I knew that it was a special moment uh, uh, in my career from a standpoint of I couldn't at that time um, remember anybody ever having had, had him in, the, in a studio, in a radio yeah. studio. So I I knew that the president that we were setting was, I knew this was a highlight, career highlight that was going on. And and it went fine. I mean, uh, he was, uh, he he certainly was not mean or rude or uh, trying to get the upper hand on me or anything like that. Um, But, you know, hey, he was uh, Jerry Richardson. He was the owner of the uh, Carolina (laughs) Panthers. And uh, uh, he was worth a gazillion dollars. So, uh, and he's a big large intimidating man anyway.
5: Yeah. So, I'm just uh,
1: uh, I'm disappointed over here that I don't have the audio. I know. And, and John Moore doesn't have the audio at least we don't think. So between the two of us if if we don't have it, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't exist out there,
2: but it's not in our it archives. It might be in a cassette someplace uh, mm-hmm. in my uh, in a box in my garage oh. uh, if we if we have it at all. Well, you I, know. I, I said to you earlier. I said uh, <laughs> nothing makes Jerry Richardson look better than uh, David Tepper, <laughs> <laughs> um, and in a lot of ways, I think that's true. There's, uh, you know, you listen to people like Greg Olson and uh, and, and Tom Sorensen. and so, these people had. Uh, I don't really have a, other than my one moment with him, um, an experience uh, that was, that made it positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Well, this happened, the timeline
1: for what you're talking about, John Moore and I both were gone. We we worked here and then we left for a while and we came back. And when I left... I was working in TV, and John was for a little while too, not at the same time with me, but when I worked in TV, I had an interaction with Jerry Richardson. And I don't know if we'll have time to talk about it today. I'll have to really, really shorten it. But, um, but I did meet him one time, and it was a really it's a funny story of how it happened. but uh, either today or tomorrow, one of these days, I'll, I'll get around to it. But uh, we got to go to a break, and when we come back, we've got somebody else to talk about the, uh, the legacy of Jerry Richardson, uh, someone uh, who you know very well, but when I play tape of him, you may not.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: Well, it takes a day off and I still bother him. But I think he would agree this is a reason to bother him. No, this is a story that uh, we've got to get uh, everybody's take on. We've talked to Tom Sorensen today. Uh, we've talked to Eugene Robinson. We've uh, heard from a lot of people, but uh, we'd be remiss if we did not uh, at least make the attempt to reach out to somebody who uh, goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. Uh, and let's welcome WBT Sports Director Jim Zoki to the show. Beth, you've heard of this guy?
3: I, 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 the name rings a bell.
1: Yeah. Hancock, you've heard of this guy? No. No. What's <laughs> up, What's up, Zoke? Good morning. Happy vacation to you guys. (laughs) Yes. Now, uh, Zoki, I want to see, uh, speaking of uh, uh, voices, I want to see if you recognize this guy.
5: Unanimous. I mean, that's amazing. All all 28 agreeing on the Carolinas. And I think the beauty of it is also that they only named one team tonight. So the Carolinas and Charlotte will get all the spotlight and all the national media attention out of this. And, of course, uh, November 30th, they'll name the second one. But uh, the spotlight for NFL expansion falls solely on the Carolinas tonight.
2: Jim, what is next? What's the schedule now as far as the Richardson group
6: and the Carolina's football team goes?
5: Well, as uh, Jerry Richardson said last week, and he reiterated that again tonight, he's going to spend a pretty fair amount of time thanking people. He's got a lot of people to thank, including all of those fans out there who supported them and bought the PSLs and... uh... All the uh, financial support, of course, with the partners and and the banking that made this possible. So that's the first order of business. Uh, as far as the rest of it goes, uh, look for some time in the spring that uh, they'll really begin to put the wheels uh, in motion as far as uh, putting the uh, front office together. And uh, they'll wait till the end of the NFL season, uh, at least before they start uh, rounding up the names of potential NFL football coaches is one thing. But uh, certainly that, that is something that also, depending if the right man is available, uh, could have. Happened sometime early in 1994, sometime in the spring.
1: So that uh, that audio right there, Henry Bogan talking to uh, this guy on October 25th, 1993, here on WBT. And uh, Zoke, as I was played, I played that soundbite earlier for Beth, and she l- literally looked over at me and said, "Who was that?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, you well, know, you- she still doesn't listen to me now."
4: So
1: <laughs> <I guess. laughs> But, I mean, uh, that, that was you on the night that the franchise was awarded and uh, Henry and John Stokes was on the air and uh, the whole team back then. Uh, but but you were in Chicago, if I'm correct about this. And so right. Jerry Richardson has passed away. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, when you get this news yesterday, uh, what's the first thing you thought?
3: Uh,
7: well, it, it made me sad. It was honestly it was very sad to hear that he had passed. Uh, he's 86, which is the same age as my father and um I just think back to that time 30 years ago almost in Chicago. And we went to a number of those meetings that led up to that meeting where they were kind of whittling the list down and deciding who would be the two that go in in that, uh, in that group. And of course, it was Carolina and Jacksonville. So uh, leading up to that, you know, they didn't have a team, but we got to know, you know, Mark and John and Jerry Richardson and all the folks that were part of that. Uh, Max Molden, who was the founder of the PSL, is uh, that which the, the way that helped to fund. Uh, the stadium and getting a team uh, with those permanent seat licenses. So we were on board with all that, of course, the original flagship station and all that at all the league meetings where they were discussing. And then finally that night where it happened in Chicago, where they announced it there. But as far as the man himself, I thought Jerry, again, there are people that had different experiences, but he was incredibly generous, incredibly gracious, I think in the way that he conducted himself. I thought in in many ways was kind of a, a bigger than life person and, he was a letter writer. I remember after the Super Bowl 50s, they sent the families out as they did for Super Bowl 38, and Sandra sent him a card, a thank you card. And this was very classic, and not the only time he did that with us. He would write on the card you sent and send it back to you with his reply, almost like a, almost like a text message. And uh, it was just, it was kind of endearing in a way. It's like here's this guy's got all this money, he doesn't have a piece of paper, right? So you take whatever you sent to him and send it back with his response. Which, actually, in a way, is kind of cool. I Made mean, it
1: special. As that was ahead of his time. Uh, that was like email before there was email.
7: Yeah.
3: Exactly. Well, he was Even famous. There
1: was
7: actually email at that time when he did that. He could have done that. Well, yeah.
3: he was also kind of famous for not having an Email right that he wanted to have personal interactions with people and was like, "Don't send me an email." So it makes perfect sense that he would do something like that.
7: <laughs> he was. He ran. He ran uh, this big organization like a small family business in a lot of ways, and people worked there for a long periods of time. Uh, it wasn't people coming and going. Uh, you know, there are those moments. You know, where, you know, where John and Mark were let go when he came back from his heart surgery, and he didn't like the way the team was being run, and they had that conflict, uh, and there were certainly. Tom Capers got fired after the fourth year. You know, George Seifer was hired and fired. So I'm not saying things didn't happen like that, but it was fewer and more far between as far as that went. And in terms of the staff and all the people that worked there, the players, you you see the outpouring of, you know, some big-name players and past coaches. And I think everybody uh, really thought that guy, uh, that human being that uh, brought the team here uh, was a good one. He just, you know, again, man had a heart replaced and uh, had gotten aged. Uh, out of a different era of how life was. So I think some of those things kind of caught up with him.
3: Now, you know, Jim, that I always like to ask the, the color questions. And you told the great story about Sandra getting the thank you card back in the mail. Do you have a favorite memory, something that really humanizes him? Like, a, I don't know, dinner or a conversation or a joke or a an outburst, anything that really represents Jerry in your mind?
1: In about 30 seconds, by the way? Yeah, in
3: 30 seconds. Because <laughs> you know how outburst. I am. Do you
1: want to
7: throw to news or the traffic when I get down? <laughs> <laughs>
1: news, <laughs> please. News, throw
3: it to news. news. <laughs> uh,
7: the big weekend's coming up. I got that.
4: <laughs> right, That's exactly right.
7: Now, I, I was in the booth. It's pregame, and we're getting ready to you know, almost kickoff or whatever, and he walks in with the commissioner, Paul Taglia, so here's the owner of the team, the NFL commissioner, and Jerry knew everyone's name. He's like, you know, there's Bill Rosinski and there's Roman Gabriel. And there's Jim Zoki, and he pointed me in front of commissioner, Tag Lee and he goes, you do a great job. He goes, I really enjoy the job that you do. This is the owner of the team. I'm like, going, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. So was like, he knew everybody and what they did, so I thought that, that stood out to me just because of kind of a monumental moment that, that was for me.
3: All right, Zocchi, back to your vacation. Yeah, go, go have some fun in, down uh, Seabrook. Yeah, you should come down sometime. Yeah, you know, Uh, I might.
1: I'm thinking about it. Do you want to throw to Mark Garrison?
7: And now it's uh, (laughs) bottom of the hour news uh, at the top with our very fine news director, Mark Garrison.
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: A big Weekend, presented by Watson Insurance. There's some
4: friends
0: that I know
4: living in this town, and I've come far to see them, gonna track them down. They live in a brick house, painted white and brown. Left a tip for the maid, and I packed up my guitar, dropped my key on the counter, rented a car, gonna hook up with them later, and go hit the bar. I need a big weekend, kid the dust. your hand but i won't know your name the joke in your language don't come out the same there's times when i'm down and there's nothing to blame i need a big weekend
2: All right, Hornets are in town tonight. They play the Orlando Magic seven o'clock. That'll be at the uh, Spectrum. It's like Steve Clifford night because he uh, coached Orlando last year. Uh, South End Farmers Market at Atherton Mill starts tomorrow and goes uh, really much. I think uh, all the way through summer, eight till one p.m. Charlotte FC in St. Louis tomorrow, eight thirty game on Apple TV. The third Charlotte Donut Festival is Sunday at uh, Suffolk Punch. Would somebody please tell me what that means?
3: Uh, One to five o'clock. I love that you looked at me on Donut Festival,
2: though. (laughs) And I probably mispronounced it, and I'm being laughed at somewhere. Republicans are uh, getting together. Uh, You got CPAC, you got Club for Growth, uh, and uh, you got Mickey Mickey Haley showing up for both of them.
4: Cross every border with nothing to declare. You can look back at. But it's best not to stare. I need a big weekend. Get up the dust.
2: Just, oh, by the way, Chris Rock's doing a special, going to be on Cinemax, uh, be at 10 o'clock tomorrow. They'll uh, stream it after that, but he's going to address the Oscar slap. I, I think you mean Netflix, don't you? Netflix, Netflix. I'm sorry. I
3: love that. I love we brought back Cinemax though.
2: (laughs) Is that what I said, Cinemax? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'll be on your boob tube.
3: (laughs) That's lit. That was literally what Cinemax
2: was. There you go. Big weekend presented by Watson Insurance Agency, protecting uh, what's important since 1934. And tomorrow, March 4th, Hope Stout's birthday. That's right. Oh, yeah. Little girl that uh, touched the community and did the, did so in a lot of ways because of the Panthers, which uh, is the, one of the subjects of the day mm. because
1: of uh, the passing of Mr. Richardson. That's right. And uh, Keith Larson's book, That Season of Hope, that he wrote back all those years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, we've been talking about Jerry Richardson all morning, obviously. We're also monitoring uh, what's happening out of Walterboro, South Carolina, where the Murdoch sentencing uh, was due to start at 930, but we, uh, we don't see any activity in the courtroom or anything yet, so uh, we'll let you know and, of course, uh, into the Vince Coakley Show following that. But uh, all morning long, we've been talking to people about their reactions to uh, that story and, of course, the passing of the big cat. Uh, Jerry Richardson, and what do you know, on the uh, WBT hotline right now, I'd like to welcome the uh, former mayor of Concord, a uh, very good friend of Beth Troutman and Pat McCrory, and, um, <laughs> well, you know, I think he's a pretty nice guy, too. Uh, it is Scott Paget back on the show. Hey!
6: Good morning, guys. How's everybody?
3: Good, good morning. morning. We've missed you. Well,
6: I'm trying to let Pat, you know, spread his wings and be <laughs> on his own a little bit. But I'll be back. Y'all will let me. I'll be back. I've been thinking of things.
3: We need your help.
1: You're, you're always there lurking, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, so so you have a
6: Richardson story? I do. Uh, the year, I can't remember the year, the year they went to the Super Bowl in Houston and played New England. Uh, so Teresa and I, my wife, uh, bought PSL tickets, The you know, right out of the chute and went to all the games. Man, those... The Loam years were so much fun. Oh yeah! So when it was announced they were going to be in the Super Bowl, my wife said, "We got to go. It's once in a lifetime." And I kept saying, "No, it's too much money. It's too much money." So supposedly there was no more, you know, tickets available for the fans. You know, no more flights up and back. So I said, "Okay, I've laid that to rest. You can't ask me more." Well, we were in Washington D.C. and. We got a, a email that, uh, yes, there's more. We got one more couple more planes going. You can order these tickets right now. So she saw that as a sign. So we immediately called and bought the tickets. And uh, this is the amazing part. I went downstairs. I had on my running clothes. It was cold, had on my debugging like a homeless person (laughs) and the first person I saw checking into the hotel was Jerry Richardson and of course he was like a giant and there was no mistaking who he was and he had somebody famous with him but I can't remember who that was now I said I've got to go over there and say something he's probably not going to believe it looking at me but went over there and introduced myself and told him I said Mr. Richardson we were just upstairs and ordered tickets to the Super Bowl he grabbed me, and I'm a short guy. He grabbed me and picked me up about three feet off the ground. <laughs> he had a big old black overcoat, you know. And I was so embarrassed, and I'm glad nobody took a picture of that. <laughs> but uh, he just thanked me and, and just treated me like I was the most important person in the world. So that's my and, – and it turned out these seats were the worst <laughs> it used be. <laughs> we When we got there, I thought, you know, being a PSL owner, you know, I know we're going to. And my friend Mari Irving, we had tickets beside each other at the stadium. I, we, we walked up, we walked up, saw Mari, saw other people we knew, kept walking. We got to the very top. And Houston, you know, is uh, one of those that's uh, the top goes back and forth. So we were up there, and I had to bend over because the slant of the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and this was the one I think I know, uh, Willie Nelson was a performer and all I got to say, if Willie Nelson or, or Janet Jackson, she could have been naked. We couldn't have told you. from <laughs> You I would have mean, never known. <laughs> it was, I mean, we could, we had to watch it on the screen. Uh, but uh, we were there. We should have won that game. You know, we lost it by a uh, field goal.
3: I remember Ma- that. Mayor that Pag- my
6: story.
1: I thought you were going to tell me, Mayor Padgett, that you walked up to Jerry Richardson and said, do you know who I am?
3: <laughs> no. There's an airport named after me. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs>
1: uh, hey, no. look, thank you for calling in. I we appreciate it. We love you. All right. Have yeah. a nice weekend. You too. That's the the, the former mayor of, of Concord and a man with many things named after him. Many more than Pat McCrory. Many, Scott many Patrick. more. I All love right. that guy. <laughs> Andy had to go to Houston. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, and sounds like he's still paying for it.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: News Talk 1110 WBT breaking news at the moment we're going to go live to Walterboro South Carolina to that South Carolina circuit court and join Judge Clifton Newman who right now is announcing uh, the sentencing the to Alex
8: Murdoch judge of the state grand jury uh, sat through and participated in the issuance of search warrants of various sorts bond hearings and uh, have had to consider many things. And we have this case and I'm also assigned to preside over, is it 99 others? At least 99 other cases. Though testimony has come up regarding many of those other cases, uh, I will not make any comment with with regard to any other pending matter as I have been assigned those cases as well. It's also particularly troubling, uh, Mr. Murdoch, because uh, as a member of the legal community and a well-known member of the legal community, Uh, you've practiced law before me and we've seen each other at various occasions throughout the years and it was especially heartbreaking for me to see you um, go go in the media from being a, a grieving father who lost a wife and a son to being the person indicted and convicted of killing them. And you've engaged in such duplicitous conduct uh, here in the courtroom, here on the witness stand, And as established by the testimony throughout the time leading from the time of the indictment and prior to the indictment throughout the trial to this moment in time. uh, Certainly, you uh, have no obligation to say anything other than saying not guilty. And obviously, as appeals are probably expected or absolutely expected, I would not uh, expect a confession of any kind. In fact, as I've presided over murder cases over the past 22 years, I have yet to find a Defendant who could go there, who could go back to that moment in time when they decided to pull the trigger or to otherwise murder someone. I have not been able to get anyone, any defendant, even those who have confessed to being guilty, to go back and explain to me what happened at that moment in time when they opted to pull the trigger when they opted to commit the most heinous crimes known to man, in this case, qualifies under our death penalty statute, based on the statutory aggravating circumstances of two or more people being murdered by the defendant by one act or pursuant to one scheme or course of conduct. I don't question at all the uh, decision of the state not to pursue uh, the death penalty. But as I sit here in this courtroom and look around the many um, portraits of judges and other court officials and reflect on the fact that over the past century, your family, including you have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. Remind me of the expression you uh, gave on the witness stand, was it tangled? Tangled web we weave. Oh, Oh, what tangled web we weave what did you mean by that? You meant when I lied I continue to lie. And the question is when will it end? when will it end and it, it's ended already for the jury because they've concluded that you continue to lie and lie throughout your testimony. And perhaps with all the throng of people here, they, for the most part, all believe, or 80, 90%, 99% believe that you continue to lie now when you, your statement of denial uh, to the court. Perhaps you believe that it does not matter, uh, that there's nothing that can mitigate a sentence given the crime, the crimes that were committed. You know, a notice of alibi was filed in this case by counsel in November, and we conducted a hearing, pretrial hearing, in which you claimed to have been someplace else at the time the crime was committed then after all of the witnesses placed you at the scene of the crime at the last minute or last minutes or days you you you, you switch courses and admit it to being there and then that necessitated more lies and continued to lie and um and I said where will it end? It's already ended for many who have heard you and uh, concluded that it'll never end but within your own soul you have to deal with that. And I know you have to see Paul and Maggie during the night times when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come and visit you I'm sure. and every night. Yeah, I'm sure. And they will continue to do so and and reflect on the last time they looked you in the eyes, as you looked the jury in the eyes. Um, I don't know a um, person who's always been such a gregarious, friendly person who uh, and cause your life to be tangled in such a weave web uh, such a situation that you um, yours have so spun into uh, and it's so unfortunate because you have such a lovely family of, of such friendly people and, including you and, and to go from that to this um, you know, your license to practice law has been stripped away from you, You turned from lawyer to witness, and, and now uh, have an opportunity to make your final appeal uh, as, a, as an ex-lawyer. And it's almost, uh, it's really surprising that you're waiving this right at this time. And if you opt to do so, it, it's on you, I, you're not compelled to say anything. But you have the opportunity to do so. As i tell you again, I respect this court, but I'm innocent.
7: I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my wife Maggie, and I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my son,
8: Paul well, Paul. And it might not have been you. It might have been uh, the monster you become when you uh, take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you become another person. Um, I've seen that before. The the, the person standing before me was not the person who committed the crime, though it's the same individual. Um, We'll leave that at that. Before announcing sentence on these cases, with regard to all of the other pending cases are any of them here in Colleton, or I'm sure some of them are? Yes, sir. Half of them, or? I, I don't have that in front of me, but there are a
2: substantial number of charges here. There's some in Hampton, Arnford, Beaufort, uh, Allendale. Um, there may be others that I'm not thinking of right now.
8: We might have worn out our welcome here in Colleton. Um... Oh, they have been, and I'll take this opportunity to thank Sheriff Hill and. Um, You're listening all of to live coverage
1: of the Alec Murdoch really sentencing hearing, in, and, and, in uh, South Carolina uh, right Alec now on
8: WBT. Paladin County just been great, but without any delay, we're going to schedule some of the other matters. Yes, I know Mr. Harpootlian's scheduling is complicated, and you've sacrificed quite a bit to be able to hear, be here um, defending uh, mr. Murdo as well as the Attorney general's office um, with all the other many many things and obligations you have and to be able to have the Attorney general here um, Alan Wilson for the period of time that he's uh, devoted to being here along with everyone else it's 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 been uh, Uh, quite a sacrifice, Uh, but there are other victims whose cases deserve to be heard, and this case has jumped. Some of those other cases um, perhaps jumped it because of the this case, resulting in an an assault on the integrity of the judicial system in our state, law enforcement in our state, even during this trial, the law enforcement had been maligned for the past five or six weeks by one who had access to to the wheels of justice to be able to deflect the investigation and as the evidence has pointed out in this case, the looming storm that Mr. Waters talked about. I can just imagine on that day, June 7th, when a lawyer is confronted and confesses to having stolen over a half a million dollars from a client. And he has a tiger like Mark Tinsley on his tail pursuing discovery in the case involving the death of Mallory Beach. And having a father for the most part on his deathbed. I could imagine, or really can't imagine, (laughs) uh, but I know it had to have been quite a bit uh, going through your mind on that day. But amazingly, to have you come and testify that it was just another ordinary day. that my wife and son and I were out just enjoying life. Not credible, not believable. You can convince yourself about it, but obviously you have the inability to convince anyone else about that. So if you made any such arguments as a lawyer, you would lose every case like that. Cases you will never have an opportunity to argue anymore except perhaps your own as you um, sit in the Department of Corrections. Anything further? No, sir. All right, Mr. Murdoch, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch, I sentence you for the term of the rest of your natural life, for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him.
1: And there you have it. I'm Beau Thompson. I'm going to turn it over to the Vince Coakley Show, where our coverage will continue momentarily on News Talk 1110-993-WBT.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.